0: Welcome, welcome, welcome into A Seminarian and Friends, a podcast where my friends ask me their questions about Jesus, Scripture, the Church, or theology. My name is Kevin Gray, the seminarian who's probably in a class that addresses their quandaries. Today's topic is another one that seems to prevail far too much among Christians, and it grieves me greatly. I've had many conversations with people who don't understand the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't mean that they don't have an exhaustive comprehension of Him. No one does. We won't even have that in eternity because He's infinite. But what I mean is that a very large number of Christians don't know Him very well at all and still treat Him with a shadowy acknowledgement akin to the time before He fully revealed Himself in the New Testament through the apostles and through Christ. Therefore, today is all about him, the Holy Spirit, and I pray that he might open eyes to his glory and person so that he might receive the praise he deserves and that you might understand and grow in grace. I am obviously not the first person to speak about him in a formal setting. Uh, So I'll include some resources at the end of this podcast that I hope will be helpful to anybody who wants to explore the Holy Spirit more. So the way I'm going to go about talking about the Holy Spirit today is the first part I'm going to talk about him systematically a discipline called systematic theology, where we look at topics of the Christian faith and, and look at it kind of top down, if you will. And so systematic theological approach to the Holy Spirit looks at the doctrine of God and what we know about him. So who is he? Well, I want to start off by declaring unapologetically and with a lot of joy that the Holy Spirit is God. And the order of that sentence matters. God is not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is God. So God is simple, and his one divine essence subsists in three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The word we use is the Trinity. Now, I probably just threw some theological words at you that you've never heard before. Don't trouble yourself too much with getting caught up in in the words I just used. What I want you to remember is that God exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Historically, if you, if you look back at church history, y- you'll see that there's a lot of controversy a lot of debates about how to understand this biblical doctrine of the trinity and there's there's trinitarian controversies there are christological controversies and there's a lot of debate about what we mean by a nature and what we mean by a person but the holy spirit guided those conversations so that now we can look back and see that they arrived at orthodoxy to know that the holy spirit is God and he's a person as theologians who understand more and think deeper than I do and just have amazing insight into the deep things of God, like Anselm or St. Gregory and some guys like that. They talk a lot about the Trinity. God, the father exists from eternity and he eternally generates the son, his word, Jesus, from eternity, and together they spirate the Holy Spirit. And so it's, again, one divine essence subsisting in three persons. So, with that kind of floating in the air, I want to emphasize that the Holy Spirit is God, and we we see a lot of that in scripture. There are a lot of proofs to point that the Holy Spirit is God in scripture. One of those proofs is that he's called Lord and he has a lot of the same titles that is only reserved for God. These titles are also shared with the father and with the son. So the spirit has these same titles, including Lord and some other ones. And then in his acts in history, you can call that the economy of history. uh, We see that the spirit's working proves and demonstrates his deity. The Holy Spirit is God and he proves that he is God as a, as the third person in the Trinity through his titles and through his acts, which are the same ways that Jesus proved and demonstrated his deity. We call him the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus called him in, in the gospels. And then that's what Paul called him in his letters. And, And We we do that. The, The language comes from the Hebrew ruach, which means breath. Sometimes it's expanded into the breath of life. It's also the same word for wind and spirit. And then in the New Testament, the word pneuma in Greek is used, and it carries the same meaning. And so those words give us an idea of who the Holy Spirit is. He, he gives life, and he, Jesus talks about how no one can can predict the way the wind moves, and so it is with the Holy Spirit, and he is spirit. I have used the personal pronoun he a lot to refer to the Holy Spirit, and this is really the, the catalyst of what inspired me to to do this podcast on the Holy Spirit. There have been surveys done about people's understanding and, and what those surveys reveal is that a lot of people accept the Trinity and accept the, the doctrines of three persons of God. There's like a, a, a grasping of the father being a person and the son being a person, but then when people are asked specifically about the Holy Spirit, they think that he's just kind of this force. And so they refer to him as an it, which in in English is problematic because we associate inanimacy and lack of sentience with the the pronoun it. Whereas with he or she we associate personality. So I want to explain to you and, and help you understand why it's appropriate to refer to the Holy Spirit as he instead of it. Now, so one way we can go about proving the personal nature of the Holy Spirit is by looking at the Greek grammar, but this isn't the most helpful way of doing it because their grammar has grammatical gender in a way that English does not, and so sometimes it uses the neuter personal pronoun for the Holy Spirit, and it can get translated as it in English, that's not helpful. Some people will try to take that argument to prove the deity of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit, but I want to offer you a better way, and it's by looking at the way that the Holy Spirit is described as if he is a person. So... What do people do? People act. People think. People have uh, an emotional life. People have attributes. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit has these too. The Holy Spirit does things. The Holy Spirit acts. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit can be grieved and received and given. And so all of these attributes, these, these personal experiences, if you will, work together to, to give us this idea that the Holy Spirit is a person who loves and deserves love. Now, if we look at the workings of God in history, the economy of salvation, uh, as one way to put it, we see that God, because he is simple, he is one has one will, he has one mission, one ministry, but it's carried out distinctly by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you could say that the Father planned redemption, the Son accomplished redemption, and the Spirit applies redemption to the people. I want to give you a a quick survey of some of the elements of God's mission that the spirit distinctly carries out so he he's hovering above the waters at creation and he does recreation he he imparts skills and knowledge he reveals things to his people which become visions and scripture, and then he illuminates and gives interpretation to these revelations. He empowered Christ's entire ministry, including his birth, giving him signs and wonders, giving him uh, perception into the hearts of man. In other people, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. He gives new birth and conversion. To people he applies the finished work of Christ to people and then ultimately he exalts Christ Jesus Christ as the Messiah as God as Lord other things he does for believers are dwells inside them gives them life he comforts them he gives gifts uh, that build up the church uh, and then he assists with speaking and praying. So that was a quick look at the systematic understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, the person and work of the Holy Spirit, if you will. And now I want to try to go as quickly as I can through a biblical theology of how the Holy Spirit wrote His self revelation through the prophets and apostles that have been inscripturized in the bible and then illuminated by the holy spirit himself so we start in genesis and we see that he is present and active in the creation of the universe he's hovering over the waters and then once people are in the world he gives skills and unites people in communion with god understand dreams that the Holy Spirit gives him. So you move into Exodus and and now it's the Holy Spirit himself who gives skill and is the author and source of skill and beauty and art. So then the the people of Israel are are going through the desert in the book of Numbers as their punishment for their unbelief. And we see that the Holy Spirit is picking people out of Israel and setting them apart for a specific work and empowering to do that so he he anoints them as the person for this specific job and gives authority and wisdom and understanding and through that he gives prophetic words he gives power, he gives wisdom and this, this theme continues throughout the book of Numbers where people are pulled out to do a specific job and the holy spirit is the one who empowers that job and then we move forward into the book of judges which is a very dark time in the history of israel where over and over and over again the the phrase and there was no king in israel at this time and everyone just did what was right in their own eyes so people are Far from Yahweh, far from God, not obeying him, not seeking him, just living as their own gods, their own kings. But every now and then, things get so bad that the people return to God for a short period of time and ask for deliverance. So God raises up people called judges. And the same thing happens with the judges as happened with Moses and some of the other leaders in Numbers, where the Holy Spirit calls out a specific person, raises him or her up, gives strength and wisdom and the ability to deliver to this person. It's a sort of anointing that comes along with power and skill. The Holy Spirit, through the person he raises up, accomplishes deliverance and judging. So that period ends, and and soon there's a a new period in Israel's history right before God starts giving them kings we see in the books of Samuel first and second Samuel that there is a lot of prophecy going on and it's the Holy Spirit who enters into his servants and starts prophesying and that prophecy looks differently depending on the context sometimes it's prophecy that's predicting an event in the future, and sometimes it's prophecy that's just interpreting how God sees a current set of circumstances and how people are supposed to live in light of that revelation. But we see a lot of that prophecy throughout Samuel. Once the people ask for a king and receive a king they receive Saul as the first king and we we see the ceremony of Saul being anointed with oil and it's symbolic of the king being anointed with the holy spirit which that that's pointing to the eventual anointing of Jesus with the holy spirit so it's a it's a type it's a shadow and it it sets them apart as the one God has chosen to do this specific job and the one who is enabled by the Holy Spirit who is all-powerful and all-wise to do that. So Saul is the first king and he receives the Holy Spirit but he disobeys. He doesn't live according to the ways God has prescribed him to live. So God's... God tells him that he's going to rip the kingdom away from him and give it to David. And so David gets anointed with the Holy Spirit. And we actually see in, in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel that the Holy Spirit leaves Saul. So he's no longer anointed as king. Now he's, he's king in so far as he still holds the throne, but it's only temporary and he's not led and guided. By the Holy Spirit because David is. And then David starts this life of, of success and he's full of prophecy and a significant portion of what he does points forward to when Jesus comes as the ultimate eternal king. We continue to see that the Holy Spirit, when he rests on a person, gives prophecy and, and speaks to and by these people throughout the Old Testament. And And then in Kings, once the Kings are established, we we see more examples of of the Holy Spirit's power and mission manifested, giving giving prophecy and, and, and even moving people physically, standing them up or transporting them from one location to another. In other places in the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit gives people the power and willingness and ability and desire and guarantee to obey God. So there, there are specific examples of how this anointing was specifically used, like in Second Chronicles, there's a reformation of the nation where people are returning to the Lord by seeking him in his word and, and obeying the law again. Then in, in Nehemiah after The exile people are back in the land and the Holy Spirit lands on people and teaches them, instructs them and provides for them and warns them about sin. So then we, we move forward to the Psalms and we see that with the Holy Spirit who is inspiring all of these texts, there's communion between the believer and the father. And the, the Holy Spirit gives life and renews souls. In fact, we even see that the Holy Spirit is the personal agent of God and is God's presence here on earth. And he, he leads and teaches his people. Well, then we get to Isaiah. We continue that, that theme of setting apart and anointing and empowering giving wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of Yahweh. We see the the fulfillment of a lot of these things that that had been mentioned already in scripture like the personal presence. But then we see some new things about this new covenant that that Isaiah talks about in the the last days, the latter days, the end times where God's spirit will be poured out so that What was prophesied up to this point in the Old Testament will be the norm for God's people. There will be prophecy, there will be love, there will be all of these things. And so through the person work of the servant of God, the servant of Yahweh, who we know is Jesus, through him, the Holy Spirit gathers and unites and saves and keeps and protects this people who will see the Messiah and follow him and we, we learn that the Holy Spirit is immeasurable inscrutable great the very counsel of God's will who dwells inside of God's chosen servant the Messiah and empowers him to accomplish his will who then will pour out his spirit onto his people and, and that's a theme that gets repeated over and over again in the prophets the spirit will come at an appointed time, fill God's people, save them, keep them, empower them and bring them to life. So the bringing to life theme is, is kind of the big one we see in Ezekiel. The the spirit takes up this prophet and moves him throughout Jerusalem to see the spiritual state of Israel. But then there comes a time when when God, through his Holy Spirit, starts telling Ezekiel that a new covenant is coming, repeating what Isaiah said. They'll live by the Spirit who resurrects them, gives them new life, cleanses them, forgives their sins, giving them visions and understanding, making obedience possible. And if you move into the 12, the minor prophets, including Joel and Micah and Haggai and Zechariah, you see these same things where all that we saw in the Old Testament before the prophets, where creation was happening and skills were given and people were being set apart, those things wouldn't be the exception. But everyone who believes that Jesus is Lord, everyone who is saved by Jesus's death resurrection will have these things will have understanding into God's word and his will and will be empowered to minister like Jesus did so you flip the page to the New Testament and you see the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament had predicted and prophesied so you see in Matthew that the Holy Spirit came over Mary the Virgin to conceive Jesus Christ. And he's the very one into whom Jesus and his descendants, as Isaiah prophesied are baptized. And so Jesus is anointed as, as King anointed, as the specific person with a specific mission and the Holy spirit empowers the whole ministry. But then Jesus as the one with whom the Spirit dwelt from all eternity with the Father, has unique insight into the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus also tells his disciples that when persecution comes for the people of God for following Jesus, the Spirit himself will speak through them to reveal who he is and to comfort them. He gives God's people the power to cast out demons, and then, if you, if you remember back to the beginning of the, of the podcast when I said that there were personal attributes of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture that, that give us an understanding both that the Holy Spirit is God and a person instead of just this force, we see in chapter 12 of Matthew that he can be blasphemed against, which is only something that a person can have happen to them. We continue to see prophecy and revelation in Matthew, and Mark carries much of, of the same things that, that Matthew told us about the Holy Spirit. Then we move forward to Luke, and, and we see some, some nuances to, to what we've already seen. We see that the Holy Spirit gives understanding and interpretation to Scripture, and that when you have the Holy Spirit, that is when you can see Jesus as the supreme treasure that he is, that he is true and worthy and desirable and necessary, that he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, that Jesus in Jesus alone is sufficient for salvation and forgiveness of sins and eternal life. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we see that, but we also see that all who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them see that and rejoice in this truth the Holy Spirit leads and guides people to Jesus to worship him and trust him he gives them power and he unites God's people to Jesus and to the Father he's a gift of love given by both the Father and the Son and he teaches now we go to John toward the end of the gospel it's the last night of Jesus's ministry and and life before he's crucified and it's it's the Passover dinner and he's eating with his disciples his closest friends in the world and, and he's instructing them on what's about to happen and what's gonna happen after the events of of this night he tells them things that they're gonna need to know as they carry on his mission after his resurrection so he He spends a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. And these are some of the things that Jesus tells them. And and I would highly recommend that you go and read these on your own and meditate on them because they are full of glory and wonder. In chapter 14, we see that, that the Holy Spirit disseminates truth and he's given and he can be personally known. You can't personally know a force, but you can personally know the Holy Spirit because he's a person, because he's God, and he's received, and he dwells with and in his people. He's our helper, sent by the Father in Jesus' name, and he teaches people, and then the things he's already taught his people, he brings to mind later. He's an advocate. He's a counselor. He's sent by Jesus from the Father, and he proceeds from the Father. I-, I mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast when I said spiration. He's spirated from the Father. He's breathed out by the Father from eternity. There's never been a time when the Holy Spirit didn't exist. From eternity, always, timelessly, God the Father has generated God the Son, and the two of them have breathed out and spirated God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. So Jesus continues and and he gives this threefold ministry of, of the Holy Spirit, saying that he convicts people of sin, judgment, and righteousness, and that he comes and guides people in truth and speaks on the Father's authority and speaks what he hears from Jesus and the Father and has given us. And as the Gospels end, we move into the book of Acts. Now, Bibles call this the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and that's not incorrect, but it's not wholly accurate because it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles as they establish the church. This book is an incredible example of the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit against all odds, against the entirety of godless society and Satan and the demons and and everything. Because of the Holy Spirit, the Jesus movement in the first century explodes and thousands of people come to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did in the face of unfathomable persecution. And it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit who witnesses to Jesus and tells the truth about Jesus and gives people the ability to prophesy and speak in tongues and speak the word of God with boldness. He witnesses to Jesus. He fills God's people with himself, giving them joy and love and hope and understanding and wisdom and power. He gives visions, and we see again that that he physically carries people away, hearkening back to Ezekiel. He comforts, and he sends and commissions people for specific jobs, anointing them with his own power. He leads people to go certain places and not to go other places. He gives strength, and he, he has specific jobs and times for people. And then we get to the epistles perhaps a a more theological view of who the Spirit of God is. Paul tells us that he declares Jesus' identity in holiness, he transforms people, he is the believer's life as opposed to the law from which he sets people free, he changes people's thinking and reorders their desires, he gives and is life and peace, He he's the mark that people belong to Jesus, He promises to raise us to new life as he did Jesus. He gives us the power to mortify our sins. So Jesus forgave our sins as he was dying on the cross. And then when he rose again, and so this, this sin that dwells in us has been disarmed. It's forgiven, but it still dwells with us. And it's, it's our job as Christians to day by day, kill it and not let it live in us. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that that happens. It's the Spirit of God who adopts us as children of the Father, and by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He helps us in our weakness. He helps us to pray. He teaches us. He sanctifies us. He loves us. He comprehends the Father's thoughts and our thoughts. He effectually converts people. He gives people gifts. He opens people's eyes. He seals and protects and guarantees believers to endure. He grants fellowship between people and God the Father. He starts and completes the perfection and the sanctification of believers. He is the mode of living in this life. We walk by the Spirit, which is the same thing as walking by faith, not by sight. He produces fruit. He gives eternal life. He gives access to the father. He builds his church. He strengthens with power and might and and unifies his people. And we read in Ephesians that his word is our only offensive weapon against the enemy. There are many other things that scripture tells us about the spirit. Two more I'll mention, and then I want to close it out quickly. Hebrews tells us that the Holy Spirit is eternal. So that, that fights against the notion that he's not eternal, that, that he was created, which was, which was a controversy in, in church history. But, but Hebrews tells us that he is eternal with the Father and with the Son. He also confesses that Jesus came in the flesh. That's what 1 John tells us. So we know that we have the Spirit of God if we believe and confess and delight in truth that Jesus came in the flesh, so is fully man, and that he is Lord and God. So we trust that because the Spirit of God witnesses to that within us and causes us to confess it. So there's one really interesting question that I want to address before I give you all some resources for further study. There is a new movement in Christianity, probably the last 20 years or so. It's called the New Apostolic Reformation, and churches like Hillsong and Bethel are part of this movement, and they say that they are new apostles in that they are receiving new revelation and in a higher manifestation of the spirit in their worship services and lives than other Christians. And they're, they're saying we need to follow the leading of the spirit, wherever this leading takes us. And I want to give a very big caution. Scripture testifies that the Holy Spirit wrote Scripture. Scripture testifies to the Holy Spirit's testimony to the truthfulness of Scripture. God has spoken. Hebrews tells us that God has spoken in these last days through his Son, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. And all of these things have been recorded in Scripture. If what we know has been revealed to us by God, through his people, contradicts anything that what we might interpret as the Spirit speaking today, if there's a contradiction, then what we are trying to interpret as New Revelation can't be New Revelation. That safeguards against false religions like Jehovah's Witnesses and and, and Mormonism, which say that there have been new revelations from God. There haven't been. We know that because those contradict previous revelation that the Spirit testifies to its truthfulness. The new apostolic reformation kind of parades that they want to do what they want to do under the guise of being guided by the Holy Spirit, even when it contradicts what the Bible already said. So I would caution you about that. So let me, let me end with the resources that I've mentioned before. If you want quick, easy-to-digest, and fun theological resources, I want to point you to my favorite rapper. His name is Shine Lin. All of his albums are very theologically sound, super convicting, drenched in, in God's truth. He wrote a song called Triune Praise, which is a study quick explanation, quick look at the Trinity. And then he wrote one called the Holy Spirit, where he goes a little bit more in depth and he articulates what I just said to you in rap form. And it's really artistic and it's really well done, uh, really easy to digest. If you want some higher level readings, there have been phenomenal theologians throughout the ages, uh, who have thought well and deeply about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. John Calvin, in his Institutes of the Christian Religion, goes into the Holy Spirit. Herman Bavinck, in his Reform Dogmatics, both in his God and Creation volume and in his Holy Spirit, the Church and New Creation volume, dives into who the Holy Spirit is. There are classic theologians such, a, such as Anselm, Augustine, and Aquinas, who all record their, their thoughts on, on who the Holy Spirit is. And then we have modern theologians uh, with varying levels of depth to look at the subject of the Holy Spirit. Michael Reeves, Wayne Grudem, Robert Peterson, Millard Erickson, Gordon Fee, Jack Deere, lots of others. So if you want more study on... Holy Spirit and union with Christ and all of those things, I would point you to those places to learn and study. Soli Deo Gloria!